0: How's everybody doing this morning? So-so? It's like fall? Are you feeling the temperature change? It's pretty good. Change of season is always a nice thing. Keeps things crisp. Helps us to remember that uh, just because things change doesn't mean that everything is over, which is kind of nice, right? You look at the seasons out there and the leaves fall off and you think, oh my goodness, that's it. But the reality is, is that they hibernate during the winter and they get ready to grow again in the spring, and we get a chance to watch the beautiful work that God has placed into his creation to show us that changes of season are indeed a good thing. It might seem like uh, it's all falling down around you, but it is a beautiful thing to uh, watch it all regrow again, and God has made that for us to watch and observe. So, today... Well, we're kind of on this little thing about uh, the verse that changed my life. This one doesn't count. So scratch that title because this is a verse that... uh It's not just a verse. It's actually two chapters that I think are applicable to us. They're important to lean in on. Uh, And as I've been praying about it over the last few weeks, uh, we've actually touched on this in our men's group, and it's been pretty amazing. Uh, We've kind of been camping out in a couple of places in our men's group. and, uh, And this seems to be a continuously erupting theme. And I think it's important to anchor to these things. When God keeps tapping you on the shoulder, it's important to pay attention. And so today, we are going to dig into Galatians chapter 5 and chapter 6. And I'm going to be reading from the ESV. Uh, But it's important to remember that the scriptures that we are going to dig into today, the word of God that we're going to dig into today, uh, is for you. Okay? So we're going to read this passage, these passages, and you're going to feel, you might feel a little bit like, "Mm, did he write this for me? I didn't write it for you. God wrote it for all of us. And uh, you might feel a little convicted internally. Oh, I'm here today. I haven't been here for a while. The pastor clearly is trying to point me out. No, I'm not. Um, I don't read your text messages. I don't. I mean, if you send them to me, I'll read them. But I'm not like peering through your phone and figuring out what you're up to uh, in your off days. Uh, The reality is that the Holy Spirit is always with us. He's always watching us. He's always ministering to us. And he's always trying to get a hold of our hearts and draw us back to the Father. And uh, if there's anything that you're going to go through today or experience today as we are reading these passages, uh, it's important to pay attention to that because God wants to speak to you. Remember, as we always say, he meets us where we are at but he never leaves us where he finds us and it's super important to remember. Today, this passage is for these passages are for the entire church. Uh, it's for the entire church. It's not just for the person sitting next to you. It's for the entire church. So I want you to say this morning, this is not for my neighbor. <laughs> this is not for my spouse. This is for me. Okay, let's try this again. This is not for my neighbor. This is not for my partner. This is for me. Because God is good. And he loves me. There we go. Easy. See? It's very Pentecostal of you. Thank you. It's so good. Is Evelyn here? Hey, Evelyn. I just want to point you out. Uh, ev- Sorry, I actually wrote it in my notes here so I didn't forget. Uh, Evelyn, you made me some chicken. And it was the best chicken that I perhaps have ever tasted in my entire life. Thank you. You you are a blessing. Thank you. (laughs) 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 Hey, she's not making it for all of you, okay? She made it for me? Relax. It's all right. It was good. It was good. Thank you. <laughs> uh, this is going to be a little bit weird this morning, a little bit different. I shouldn't say weird. It's going to be a little bit different. Uh, we're just going to read the word this morning, and we're just going to have a conversation. Sometimes we get all, you know, connected into, like, the pomp and circumstance of what it is to kind of, like, do church stuff, Right? Like, oh, the production, and oh, the sound quality, and oh, the this, and oh, the that, and, and it has to look a certain way or be a certain way. No, 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 no. What I love about what we see in Scripture about Jesus is Jesus just went into the marketplaces. He went into the crowds. He spent time with people. He stood up on a hilltop and taught about the things that his father instructed him to teach upon. He bestowed wisdom upon the folks that were learning under him. And he called them to more while doing life with them. It's, pre- it's pretty beautiful, actually. We, we look at the character and the life of Christ, and, and he simply did life with others. He, he met people in the midst of what it is that they were going through and dealing with. And so this morning, I want to just meet you in the course of what it is that you're going through and dealing with. And we're going to look at the scriptures together. So if you've got your Bible, I encourage you to crack it open. It's not going to kill you. Dust it off. Open it up to Galatians. If you're not interested in like following along and trying to figure out what version I'm reading and how it relates to your version, just sit and you can listen. It's totally fine. But this morning we're just going to go over God's Word together and I just want to talk through it. And before we get going... I, I want to encourage you for a moment just to stop and to wait. We become addicted to distractions so that we can avoid doing the very thing that we ought to be doing. If you've got your cell phones, turn them off, put them down, tuck them away. If there's something that you have that you're always fidgeting with, put it aside for a moment. It's gonna be a little bit weird because you might start sort of feeling and processing things this morning. It's not a bad thing, it's just maybe different. Because we do a really good job of packing our lives full of things, distractions, good and bad, so that we can avoid dealing with the very things that God wants to touch on in our lives. Take a moment just to close your eyes and put aside the busyness of your past week Maybe you're fighting with your spouse trying to get out of the door this morning. Just put that aside for a moment. I heard a laugh over there. God bless you. Maybe you're wrestling with the kids trying to get them in the car. Maybe you had a horrible week at work or you're just dealing with a lot of mess and chaos that's going on. Take all those things, put them in a box, and put it on the shelf for now. Press pause on all the things that are clamoring for a spot in your mind. Take a big breath and breathe it out. And pay attention to God's word today. His living word was not only applicable back then, it is applicable today. It is applicable for you, it is applicable for me completely. His word is living. His word pierces through the darkness and brings light into our lives, into our hearts, and into our minds. So let's read God's word together. It says here in my Bible that uh, Christ has set us free. That's the title. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and don't submit again to the yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the entirety of the law. In this, you are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You've fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything. Only faith working through love. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view, and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. For you were called to freedom. Listen to this, church. You were called to freedom. Do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh or to sin, but through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not also consumed by one another. Before we carry on, church, I want you to say this. This is not for my neighbor. This is not for my spouse. This is for me. I'm a firm believer that it is not a mistake that God draws people to this space to hear his word on days like today. It's not a mistake. If you're here, you're here because the Lord has brought you here this morning. I'm going to read that, past, that little part again before we carry on. It says, but if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. It goes on here to say, the title of this section says, keep in step with the Spirit. Paul says this, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. This is challenging because we all want to be able to walk in the justification of our own sinful nature. But it says here very plainly and clearly, we cannot discount it. The desires of the flesh are against the desires of the Spirit. And it says also that the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to one another to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. We talk about wanting proof for things, right? We want proof for aliens. There are panels in the government right now that are working overtime to try to prove the existence of aliens. We want proof. We want proof that God is real. We want proof that science says what science is. We want proof and evidence to what's going on. In fact, it's very challenging to be convicted of anything in court unless there is adequate evidence or proof. It's also very difficult to be exonerated unless there is adequate evidence and adequate proof. We want proof. We want evidence. It has weight to it. What does that mean? The evidence or the proof are indicative of what is actually going on in a situation. Okay? If we look up and the sky is blue, guess what? The sky is blue. You can tell me all day long that it is cloudy and overcast, but if it is crystal clear and blue outside... It's not cloudy and overcast. How can I say that with assuredness? Because I can look up and observe that the sky is blue. If you tell me that you are an orange tree, but I pick some fruit and all I'm getting are apples, you can say all day long that you're an orange tree, but guess what? You're an apple tree. We want proof. We want evidence. So let's look at some of these evidences here. If you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law, verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident. This is just the reality of it. I don't like it sometimes because it cuts to the core, because I'm a person and you're people, and we need the Lord and we fall. But the evidence of the work of the flesh, which means the proof that the Spirit is not present, are these things. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, that means having idols that aren't God, sorcery, that's use of supernatural powers through the assistance of spirits, like witchcraft, that type of thing, enmity, which is hatred or mutual hatred, or a gathering of hatred towards a person or a group. Strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, Envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Not getting too many amens this morning. Repeat after me this is not for my neighbor, this is not for my spouse, this is for me. This is tough. Why? Because we are so good. We are experts at justifying our behaviors and our actions, the very things that separate us from God. What's the only thing that separates us from God? Sin. And we justify it day in and day out, and we actually deceive ourselves to thinking that we can walk in these things and still be good and not have to worry. But I'll tell you what, the spirit and the flesh can't coincide with one another And if these things are going on in our lives, it means that we are indulging in the flesh rather than pursuing the spirit. Yes, church is convicting sometimes. Yes, this is difficult. Yes, this is challenging to wrestle through because it hits home very hard, probably on so many levels across the room today. I get it. How do I get it? Because I'm also a human. But where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And there isn't freedom in these things. In fact, we become bound to them. We cause them to become parts of our identity that were never supposed to be a part of who we were made to be in Christ. And we justify it because we don't want to cut it off. We indulge in it because it's an escape. We lean into it and try to wrap Scripture around it but it doesn't fit. And what ends up going on is our hearts become wildly hard towards the Spirit of God that's trying to bring a change in our lives. This is not easy. But if it was supposed to be easy, we wouldn't be asked to take up our cross daily and follow Him. If it was supposed to be easy, we wouldn't be told to die to ourselves daily. There are things on this list that I want. There are things on this list that I have done. There are things in this list that have been part of my identity, who I believe that I am. But those very things are so void of the presence of God and we have to look at what the proof is and the proof is in the pudding. If these things are going on in our lives, it means that that is the proof we are separate from God. We are moving the other direction. We are walking away from Him. We desperately need to go back. If these things are going on in the church... It's a call to action to say, no more, we can't go on like this. What else does it mean? If these sorts of things are going on in the church, it means the church can carry on as an organization without the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. It means that we're just legalists. It means that we're hypocrites. It means that we are void of the presence of God. We do not want to be a body of believers that has justified our flesh nature and miss out on the very inheritance that has been granted to us by Jesus. In fact, Paul talks about in Romans chapter 5 and chapter 6, he says this, do we continue to sin so that grace may abound? No. We need to recognize it and we need to stop and we need to turn the other direction. I'm not talking about any of this out of a place of of trying to heap condemnation upon anyone. I'm speaking to you about this because of the state of my own heart at times. I would never ask you to confront and wrestle with anything that I also personally haven't confronted with and wrestled with myself. This is tough. I want to inherit the kingdom of God. I want to know my Father in heaven intimately one day as I spend eternity with Him. But I can't if I am doing these things. I know this is hard to wrestle with. I know this is profoundly challenging and convicting. This is not for my neighbor. This is not for my spouse. This is for me. So conversely, what is the proof or the evidence that the Spirit of God is at work? Well, let's keep reading. It doesn't say the fruits of the Spirit. It says the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. for seasons we can exhibit some of these character traits for seasons when we are exhibiting them of our own strength right it's easy for a period of time when you have capacity to be loving it's easy for a period of time when you have capacity to be patient it's easy for a period of time when you're trying to fit back into your summer jeans To say, I'm going to have self-control against the chocolate. Well, for me, it's a hint of lime chips and Evelyn's chicken in the fridge. For a season, it's easy when it's your own strength. You can do it of your own strength for a season. But what about sustaining that for your life? I'm going to put this out there, and, and you can decide if you want to agree with me or not, but I think it's actually impossible to produce love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control fully and completely on your own all the time until you die. It's not possible. It just is not possible. Maria's fantastic at putting up with me and some of my things for a little while. But then after a little while, it's like, no. And then I hear about it. But then it also goes the other direction, too. In and of our own, in our own strength, in our, with our own mechanisms, in our own personal structures, with all that we have going on in our lives, we can only do these things for a little bit in our own strength. What we actually need is we need a transfusion. Actually, no, we need a regeneration. We need to actually be regenerated by the work of God. What does that mean? That means fully and completely surrendering to the Lord. That means laying it all down at his feet and saying, not my will, but your will be done. This is tough. This isn't like a sinner's prayer once when you were five and now you're saved situation. If that was the case, there would be no passage of scripture that says, take up your cross daily and follow me. Die to yourself daily and follow me. Every single day, there is this strife and challenge that we will wrestle with of what it is to put our stuff aside and say, Not today, Satan, and choose to say yes to Jesus. But I think we become lazy and we don't want to do it because it's just hard. And I think we're a little addicted to comfort sometimes, right? We like things just to be comfortable. If we're in pain, let's ease that pain a little bit. If you're pushing a little bit too hard and your muscles get sore, mm, I'm just going to draw it back a little bit. If work is really tough, I'm just going to take a few months off. If there's challenges in your marriage, I'm just going to go and talk to somebody who makes me feel better. If you're not happy with the way your spouse looks, I'm just going to go and look at somebody else's spouse on the computer. This is not for my neighbor. This is not for my spouse. This is for me. So I said I was just having a conversation with you guys. This is kind of how I have conversations within our men's group. But then we all kind of, (laughs) Robert's like, yeah. (laughs) And then we all talk around the table, and it's always fun, and there's always stories, and it's always wild, and it's great. And in spite of us, the Lord moves powerfully and works in our hearts. My goal, or my job, I should say, isn't to uh, make you guys Bible scholars, and it's not even to preach a good message on Sunday. I'm not a good preacher, and you don't have to make me try to feel better. I'm okay. There's other preachers out there that are fantastic. I'm kind of a one-trick pony. All I really know how to do is read the Bible, and I can tell you guys about the Bible. My goal for you is not to make you better church attenders. My goal for you is not to have you take out membership in the church. My goal for you isn't to be fantastic tithers. Surprise, I actually don't care. Thanks, Carol, for laughing at that. That's good. Because you're not my provider, the Lord is my provider. My goal, my job, is to equip the saints for the work of the ministries. You are the saints. You need to be equipped for the work of the ministry. What that also means is my goal for you, my job for you, is to help you see what it looks like to actually be a people who are set apart, but also a people who are empowered and a people who are robust. A people Who are robust. That means not a person that can, uh, you know, bumps their toe and runs and cries to mom every three seconds. This means a person who is able to weather through the challenges and the difficulties and the struggles and the hardship that will inevitably come your way because you are a human. My goal and my job for you is to toughen you up as Christians, to choose to do the hard thing because it is the right thing not run away from the hard thing because it makes us uncomfortable. Why is that my goal and my job? Because that is what God does to me all the time, and that is my job to pass along to you. God is building his church to not be flimsy people who break easily, but rather tough overcomers who can step into the world and not be taken by it. My job and my goal for you is to help you remember and stand firm that the, and know that the gates of hell will not prevail against the bride of Christ. You will not be overcome by evil, but you will overcome evil with the very good things of the Lord. And for a season, you can sustain some of what looks like that on your own, but you will never go the distance unless your heart is transformed by Jesus Christ Himself and the work of His Holy Spirit. It says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. We can't do that on our own. We need the Lord to do that. In us and through us. Let's keep reading. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another or envying one another. Chapter 6. This is not for my neighbor. This is not for my spouse. This is for me. Listen to this. I'm going to add sisters in here too, okay? Brothers and sisters, if anyone is caught in any transgression, if you've got your Bibles open, underline the any A bunch of times, maybe circle it, use some different colors, get out your crayons, make a note of this. If anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual, which is you, I hope, (laughs) should restore him or her in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted. What does that mean? You see a brother and sister who's in sin? Actually, I'm just going to give a defining line here, by the way. If you're a brother and you see a brother in sin, go to that brother. If you are a sister and you see a sister in sin, go to that sister. Brother, don't go to sister. Sister, don't go to brother. We're not that kind of church. We don't promote those types of things. Go to someone who's of the same gender of you because we don't want uh, emotional transference of things that need not to happen. It says this, keep watch over yourself lest you too be tempted. What does that mean? It means this. Say, I go to Eddie. Hey, Eddie. I'm like, Eddie, I see this challenge that's going on in your life. I'm concerned for you. I love you. Let's figure out a way to get you back on track. And Eddie's like, no, no, no. It says here in the Bible that I can do this. Check this out. Doom, 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 doom. If I'm not careful, I too can become tempted to do the very thing that is actually bringing harm into my friend's life. And I need to make a choice to say, not today, Satan. It's not not today, Eddie, because I love Eddie. I want Eddie to flourish and grow and to be robust, but I have to choose to say, not today, Satan, and anchor to the truth of the word of God and say, no, actually, maybe you have been misled. Let's look at the word together through the right lens and get back on track. It's too easy otherwise sometimes out of love and care for somebody to also fall into the very thing they might be wrestling with. Because we don't want to make them feel bad that maybe they're going the wrong direction. And so sometimes we partner with them in the very thing that's actually giving them death. We need to be careful. It says here, keep watch over yourself lest you too be tempted. And here we go. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? To love one another. When we bear one another's burdens, we actually show the love of Christ and fulfill the love of Christ to those around us. We're actually called to uphold one another, we're called to care for one another. In fact in Colossians it says make allowance for each other's faults. Some of you are saying, "Well, I'm not. I don't have a fault, but I know my spouse does." Guess what it says here? This is not for my spouse, this is for me. <laughs> I don't have any faults, but the guy beside me does. This is not for your neighbor, this is for me. <laughs> Bear one another's burdens so as to fulfill the law of Christ. That means we actually bear one another's burdens in love. If someone's struggling financially, come alongside them and help them. If someone's struggling because they don't have a roof over their head, find a way to assist them. In fact, let's get a bunch of people together and find a way to assist them. If someone has lost a child, cover them with grace and mercy and care, and they might be angry and fight back at you. Love on them minister to them. If someone's going through the heartache of a a challenging relationship or, or perhaps their marriage has fallen apart and there's just chaos going on in their life, don't push them away or ostracize them. Draw them in and love on them and care for them. You might not know exactly how to do that, but the right answer is always to be kind and loving. And when you beseech the Lord, He will grant that to you to pass on to somebody else. Bear one another's burdens in love. Like it says in Colossians, make allowances for each other's faults. I'm thankful for that because I've got a lot of faults. And I'm thankful that God has put really gracious and amazing people in my life that make allowances for my faults. I recognize them and there's certain things in my makeup that I actually just can't change with how my brain works and some of the things that go on in there. But there are people around me that are so kind and gracious that actually love me in the midst of my own faults. That's pretty amazing. And in that, they help me walk through life. They actually bear burden with me. But then conversely, also the way my brain works, it allows me to come alongside others in ways that people can't. And it's a beautiful thing, and that's part of being the body of Christ, So let's carry on. It says in 6, verse 3, For if anyone thinks that he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. That's the Bible's way of saying if you think you're the poop, you're poop. You can insert the other words. I know you're all thinking it. Don't say it aloud, though, okay, because we're in church. For if anyone thinks that he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work and then... And then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor, for each one will have to bear his own load. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. That's really cool. So some of you are in a position where you are brand new at this thing and you're just learning the word. If someone in your life is teaching you the word and being an example of what it is to follow Jesus to you, if they're being that example to you and teaching you, be an encouragement back to them. You might think, well, they know more than I do. They're more studied than I do. They have more to bring to the table. No, no, you can actually be an incredible blessing to them by going back to them and saying, hey, this is what I've learned from you. Thank you for teaching me. Thank you for encouraging me. And you know what that does? That just really pumps their tires. So as you have been encouraged by somebody teaching the word to you and being an example of the word to you, you can bring that right back around and be a blessing to them by encouraging them in what God is doing in your life. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Whatever one sows, that he will also reap. I don't want to oversimplify this, but if you're a miserable person, people are going to be miserable to you. This is not for my neighbor. This is not for my spouse. This is for me. If you're just taking all the time and you're not contributing, you're going to feel like you have nothing, always, forever, no matter how much you take. If you're pouring out love and compassion onto others, guess what? people are going to have tremendous amount of grace for you. It's pretty cool. Even in the midst of your faults and shortcomings, people are going to just heap grace upon you. You're like, ah, oh, he must have been having a bad day. <laughs> no big deal. We'll let it slide. It's, it's fine. If you are continuously holding others to impossibly high standards, always and forever, and letting them know it constantly through the, you know, the nice Christian way, oh, you'll do better next time. <laughs> <laughs> you guys know. guess guess what standards you'll be held to? You'll be held to impossible standards. If you're a jerk, people are going to be a jerk to you. If you're kind and loving and compassionate, guess what? People are going to also pass that along to you. For whatever one sows, you will also reap. Please go down the rabbit hole on that one and let that sink in. It might be wildly uncomfortable to contemplate that passage. He's probably going to be very introspective for the next 24 hours. You're like, man, why is everything horrible happening to me? Just stop for a minute and just process some life. And then go to the Lord and say, Lord, I need you. And He's like, yeah, you do. I love you too. Come here. Let's carry on. We'll finish off here. Let us not grow weary. In doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are of the household of the faith. Let's be nice to each other in church. What an awful idea. (laughs) Who'd have thunk it? I come to church because I hate them all. (laughs) Well, for whatever one sows, you will also reap let's do good to people especially to people that are part of the church it's nice it's right it's okay so finally i'm going to finish off with this at the very end verse 11 and then we're going to call the actually worship team you can come on up i like i actually like that paul this i like that this was actually included in the bible and i think this is so neat because Paul is penning this letter to the, to the Galatians, and he says, See with what large letters I'm writing you with my own hand? He's like, I'm writing this. And I just imagine him like crayon, like, Ah, this is me. Look at this. Uh, because he, he, wasn't, he didn't hire or contract a scribe or, or a writer to write on his behalf. He wrote this. He's like, check it out. See with the big letters I'm using with my own hands? And I'm making notes and I'm underscoring. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised, and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. What does that mean? What it means is I want to make sure everybody else accepts Jesus into their hearts and I'm going to carry that badge of honor that people that I know have accepted Jesus into their hearts, but I'm not even going to bother surrendering into Christ myself. That's called getting by on somebody else's merit. I like this. The only thing that we can boast in, Paul says, He says, far be it for me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Christ. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you and with your spirit, my brothers and sisters. Amen. So maybe you've been coming to church for a while, maybe you've been checking things out, maybe you've been like a Christian for your whole life, or maybe it's like last week perhaps it's even like this morning as we've been talking, you're like, man, i got to follow Jesus. i got to get serious here. There's no time like the present. None. There's no time like the present to say yes to Jesus. And actually, I can't encourage you enough to remember that this isn't like a one-and-done thing that happened in Sunday school when you were five. I know that might be bothersome to some of you, but we actually don't see that anywhere in the Scripture. What we do say in the Scripture is a call for every single one of us especially me, to die to ourselves daily and take up our cross and follow Jesus. We can't boast in our own good works. We actually have nothing that we can boast in that will save us or restore us or renew us or regenerate us. The only thing we can boast in comes from outside of ourselves, and that is the work of Jesus. That means today, right now, we need to take up our cross daily and follow him. So what I want us to do this morning is maybe a bit different, but we're all going to accept Jesus into our lives this morning. We're all going to surrender to the Lord this morning, if you want to, because we need to every day. And I hope that today can be a part of your future every day. You can't do it on your own. You're going to run out of steam. You're going to get mad and ornery and frustrated and angry. And all those character traits that you have tried to die to are going to rip to the surface and come out at everybody else around you if you're trying to sustain your salvation by your own strength. You can't do it. But Jesus can. And when we invite his spirit into our lives and a renewal occurs, a regeneration begins, our very nature starts to change. And I don't know about you, but I need my nature changed every day. So why don't you stand up this morning? We're going to keep it easy. Jesus, I surrender to you today. Not my will, but your will be done. I need you. I need you in my life. I need your Holy Spirit to change me. Today, I give my life to you, Jesus. Do with it what you will, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Purge me from my mess. Cleanse me from my unrighteousness. Heal my heart and give rest to my soul. Teach me to walk in your ways, O oh Lord, and I will sing your praises in the streets. Church, it's an everyday thing. It's an everyday thing. I think we, we just, like I said at the very beginning, we become so addicted to the distractions in our lives because we don't want to just face what's in front of us. We forget that we actually have to completely stop everything and surrender Healing and renewal doesn't come from just doing more of the thing. It actually says in the word of God that our strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. I think some of us have probably been feeling pretty weak. And we need our strength to rise. And our strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. How do you know if you're heading in the right direction? Go through the list of what the flesh is. Are those things going on? It's time to get back to Jesus. How do you know if you're heading in the right direction? Go through the attributes of the Spirit. Are those things present and and evident in your life? Continue to cling to the Lord. We're going to close in worship. Praise the Lord for what He has done in your life and what He is doing in your life. And I encourage you to go home today during this week and reread that passage of Scripture, Galatians 5 and 6. Let it settle into your spirit. Make notes in your Bible. Be learners and doers of the Word of God and allow His Spirit to transform you.